Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 276, covering Waking Moments and Message in a Bottle. Hi, friends. A weird thing happened. We saw an episode that we both really love. Yeah, it was really good. It was... <laughs> we didn't have to qualify. Well, this is pretty good for Voyager, I guess. Like, no. no this, is, this is really good. Season 4 continues to be pretty good. I would say the best season of Voyager so far. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And we like one and two? Okay, I was about to say in three. No, three No, no three is no. Three, yeah, don't... It, it, the big danger sign. Danger, danger. Glowing with evil redness. Don't And just, trembles. Yeah. Ugh, remember to wrestle your trembles. Oh, fathom your trunks. That might Ugh. have been this season. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. I t- it's, it's, an, it's an excellent representation of season three. Uh, there was there was a lot wrong with it, and it was it wasn't just that, but that, that's definitely the worst one I would say. But but this this uh, the second of our two this week. Yep, really really good. Although the first one, right right back to the old, you know, dumb as hell. I mean, when I uh, when the description came up, it was like oh oh boy. Uh huh. I was like a minute into this, and it's like oh it's about stupid dreams. Okay, good. Yeah. Way to way to set the tone. Uh-huh. Although, well, well, we'll get to that. Why don't, why, don't, why don't you summarize first? Summarize. Please. All right, so it's sleepy time on the USS Voyager, and everyone's taking a trip to dreamland. While Paris dreams of crashing his shuttle, Special Boy journeys to the center of Seven's onesie, and Tuvok shows up on the bridge naked, which is actually pretty funny. But they're all also dreaming of the same man, a scary guy with a messed up face, and a striped sweater and a fedora, and, and knives fingers. But how can we all be dreaming of the same person? And didn't Captain Janeway and the rest of the parents kill Fred Krueger when we were all kids? (laughs) Chuckles, being the authority on dreaming because of how boring he is, travels into the dream world to do battle. He brings his actual spear. Anyway, after Freddy welcomes him to prime time, which is accurate considering Voyager's original air date, they make a truce and Chuck wakes himself up. Guiding Voyager out of Kruger space, which is a joke, but sounds like it could easily be a real location in Voyager. Upon arriving at their destination, Voyager is attacked by Freddy's again. It was a trick, bitch! (laughs) They easily take Voyager back with a combination of finger knives, pop culture references, and turning Seven into a cockroach. Chuck escapes and realizes he's still dreaming because that is exactly the kind of episode this is. Then the episode almost ends, like, six more times before Chuck finally wakes up for real and discovers that the entire crew, except for the Doctor, are all asleep. When a quick visit to the screaming alarm clock planet doesn't help, Chuck beams down to the Kruger homeworld and threatens Doctor-assisted mass genocide, because he's the show's pacifist. Finally, the enemy relents and Tuvok buries his bones in the junkyard and Voyager flies off into the sunset, except now it has red and green stripes and it's a shocking twist ending out of nowhere featuring Johnny Depp. And as we've recently learned, Johnny Depp actually real life monster. Oh, uh, is that true? Uh, I don't alleged, I suppose, but I, I'm pretty sure. It is. Oh man! I mean, I have no in like actual information. I don't, you know, I don't know the guy, but oh. I've, I've heard that. God damn it! Yeah. Anyway, I, I gotta say, 
as turns of phrase go, doctor assisted mass genocide. One of mm-hmm. my favorite. Yeah, that's a good one. That's fucking clever. Really well done. I was just in, I enjoyed how much uh, Nightmare on Elm Street references I could fit into this one. I've seen a lot of those movies. Uh, me too. But all when they came out and I was like, I think I was like 11 when the first one came out. So then like 13 and 15 and so on. Uh-huh. So like, I, it's been a long time, but I, I remember the cockroach one. Yep. And welcome to prime time, bitch. Yeah, I do remember that as well. Bitch. I kind of favored the the later ones where it was more cartoony, and I know. Oh that's yeah. Not, that's not the common uh, opinion, but no. I, I just I preferred when it was just like a gruesome Looney Tunes cartoon. I have such a fondness for Nightmare on Elm Street Five: The Dream Child. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't remember. They all kind of blend together for me, but. Uh... That one has a guy getting turned into a motorcycle. Oh yeah. No, no. No. <laughs> I thought I could, okay, I could extrapolate the plot from that, no. Mm. Well, the plot is Freddy comes back, kills some people, and then dies again. Yes. So, okay, I remember now. He also but tries this- to come back as a baby. Oh, boy. Wasn't there a nun involved? Or- yeah, his mom. His oh. mom is a nun. Ah, that explains everything. Yeah. Good Good job. There, there was a lot of Nightmare on Elm Street in this, but we should clarify Robert England had nothing to do with it. Oh, man, that would have made it so much better. It would have, but it's just this race of guys. I'm ju- I'm watching the episode, right? And, like, the opening is just... It, 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 it's just, like, everyone having their own weird dreams or whatever, and they keep seeing this one dude just standing in the background. And I'm like, this is exactly Nightmare on Elm Street 1. Especially when, at one point, there it's Paris... Uh, uh, driving a shuttle, and the the dude not just is not just standing like in the background watching him, or whatever. But he slowly rises up in front of the the window, mm-hmm. and you know how much I enjoy people peeking around things. That's true. Uh, this was just it was a delight for me. It was it though. Well, no, I mean, maybe that moment. That moment was that was a great moment. Yeah, it. <sighs> I mean, in the teaser, you could basically, like, you have it all laid out. Oh, boy, it's going to be this kind of episode. Mm-hmm. And oh, boy, was it. It surely was. And I'm just going to go right into my bad thing here. I've said this many times, but I hate dream episodes so uh-huh. much. It's because, like, even to this day, like 20 years ago when this was written, it, this was true. But it's also f- still fairly true. Science doesn't entirely know what dreams are for. Yeah, how they work. Like we know more now how they work, but we're still not really sure what they're for. Well, the brain is a weird and mysterious place full of weird mysteriouses. It it is, and honestly, like I think it's cool. And one day maybe we'll figure it out. But it's one of those things because we know so little about it. They decide this is where we can load up all our pseudoscience because if we don't know, then it might be magic. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Shut up. No, it's not. It, it isn't. It's just, it's one of those things Star Trek loves to take advantage of and make up a bunch of bullshit about what dreams really are, how they really work, or in this case, a race of aliens that live in our dreams. Mm-hmm. Well, no, they live in their dreams. We're just... But they live in the dream realm. Yes, the dream realm, which is a real thing. Apparently. It's like another dimension that we access when we sleep, I think. I mean, there's no science that says that's not true. That's what I'm saying. Because we have so little actual science, they can just make up whatever boogity bullshit they want. Mm-hmm. And they really should have just called this episode boogity bullshit. I would love that. Here's here's the thing. And we both saw this in Memory Alpha. A quote from Mr. Branham Braga. Yep. Ma- the dream ghost man himself. The king of the dream ghost men's. Do you, would, would you mind? Because you got your, your Braga voice. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Let me quote? just find the quote here. Mm-hmm. 
I was the one guy on the staff who didn't want to do this episode. I felt that we had, fe- had I felt that we do too much dreaming on the show. Yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, he was the one who said, I, I wish all that stuff in Year of Hell had really happened. Which I, I wish that stuff in with. Year of Hell had really happened. And now, like, he's got some, I, I, it pains me to say this, but I have to admit it. He's yeah. got some okay instincts as a writer sometimes. No, if there's one thing we've got to do on this show, it's uh, acknowledge when the people we hate do a good job. Well, I don't want to just be the show that complains about Braga. If he does good things, I want to call them out. It's like that season where we forced ourselves to say good stuff about Wesley. Like, Al, we're not the show that just makes that just says negative stuff about Brandon Braga. We also say negative stuff about uh, Neelix. And Gene Roddenberry. And Gene Roddenberry. Yeah. History's greatest monster. Oh, I don't know about all that. History's dirtiest monster. Yeah, that's more like it. <laughs> it's, but I, really, when the guy who falls back on that gimmick says maybe we should step back a little. Yeah, I, I think we might be doing this just a wee bit too much. Uh, the, unfortunately, the rest of that quote is, but then we did the episode and it was actually pretty good, which mm. which was wrong. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't, Brandon. You should have listened to your instincts. <laughs> you lost me again, but you had me for a minute there. Mm-hmm. It's just, I see glimmers every now and then of why he and Ron Moore work together. Like, yeah. oh, that's what you see in this guy. He's actually got okay ideas sometimes. Yeah, if he's like, has someone to work with, who's like, we're not doing that. That's stupid. Well, I, this is this is one of those things they've said about uh, Lennon and McCartney. And these these guys are no Lennon and McCartney, let's be clear. Mm-hmm. clear. But, but what's been said about them is that uh, Paul McCartney had great ideas and terrible ideas and could not tell the difference. And sure. John Lennon was there to basically help <clears throat> him tell the difference. And uh-huh. when, they, when they, when the partnership ended, you get simply having a wonderful Christmas time. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. But when they were together and John was there to not, not, do the work for him, but just say, no, throw this one away. No, this is the good idea. We're not writing another song about a little frog, Paul. (laughs) We've got to let, uh, we've got to let Ringo do that one about the squid. (laughs) Guys, I wrote a song about a squid. Oh, wait, no, it's an octopus. My octopus is garden in the shade. For for a minute, I confused it. There was an old, it was from the Dana Carvey show. (laughs) Sketch about uh, how George wanted to write a song about a squid and they wouldn't let him. (laughs) Poor George. Anyway, but I, it, it feels like Braga's got, he just can't tell the difference between his good ideas and bad ideas. And if he doesn't have someone there to help him, mm-hmm. we get, you know, awfulness. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That That's my current theory. He's still awful, but, you know. Sure. We'll have Ron Moore on the staff for like two weeks. Maybe Braga will get better then. Uh-huh. Pro- probably not. Anyway, now, since we're doing bad things, what do you got? Uh, I'm just tired of episodes where we wake up and we're still in the fucking dream. I'm so, so fucking done with seeing that. It happens all the time. Every time there's a fucking dream episode, it happens. And it, I fucking hate it. And I also, it kind of creeps me out. Really? Yeah, it's weird. See, I hate it because it's hack and completely unbelievable. But if you actually, like, if it creeps you out, that means there's a whole other layer of it to you. Yeah. It's just like a thing that has happened to you and like creeped you out. And no, it's a, it's a thing. There was an episode of Beetlejuice when I was a kid where it happened. The cartoon. Yeah, the cartoon. Okay. And it gave me the fucking creeps for some reason where it's just like, you can't tell what fucking reality is. You might still be in the dream. This could go on literally forever. Just because I don't know. I, I dream like my stuff. My dreams are so nonlinear and like abstract that I hardly ever confuse them with reality. Mm, no, I, so it's just not a thing that would occur to me. Mm. No, mine are all math related. Oh, of course, because they're nightmares. Yeah, 
That makes sense. Intense anxiety dreams. Yeah, so math. I guess. Where I sweat and try to figure out math problems. <laughs> just, Thanks, just, Matt Subconscious. You're the best. When you but when you go to sleep, like as you're drifting off every night, just just tell yourself the answer is six. The answer is six. <laughs> Pi is exactly you know. three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People love that. Just round it. Yep. Uh we're not really talking about much of what happened in the episode, but that's because it was so this is, the same circling the drain. Nonsense. It really is like everything that you think is happening that's important isn't actually happening. You know, I, um, I will give them this. I love the big empty cave with or the big cave with all the sleeping people. And I thought it was a great fucking visual. Yeah, that that is true. It's like because they're all they all have to sleep to live in their other dimension, I guess yeah i don't know but it had a creepy like um the heaven's gate thing where you walk in and you think you're looking at a bunch of corpses yeah yeah i don't normally do this during voyager but like uh what is it chakoday beams in or whatever and it's just this enormous cave that goes on for miles and just the floor is completely covered in people sleeping and i'm i will admit i let out a wow huh i wasn't that impressed but i'll I'll give you that it was pretty cool yeah great great visual yeah no it was um and that wasn't even your good thing. No. Like you have you have two good things to say about it, which was hard for me. But yeah, no, I the thing is, I hate like this episode is dumb as hell. But well, let's let real quick. You said you don't like episodes and, and this has become a trope now, like mm-hmm. the waking up from the dream. But it's you're still in the dream. Would you also throw those? We think we're on the holodeck, but we're still on the holodeck ones in that same category. I would, except for the uh, what do you call it, the uh, ship in a bottle. Yeah, no, I which did it perfectly. Any any time you have a, a thing like this, there you can do it well, but you have to really try. And the thing that the the reason I get so upset with so many episodes is because. Maybe you could do something cool with this, but you just phoned it in. That's mm-hmm. that's usually what ends up bugging me is you put no effort into this at all. Yeah. And that's that is certainly the case here. No, I just I hate when every someone turns to the camera and goes, We're still on the holodeck. Fuck you. Well, I mean, uh, the, I mean, I would say the quintessential example of this of of this device would be Inception, which most people enjoyed. Well, yeah, that's a good movie. I did not care for it, but That's fair. I, it's not even, it wasn't even the dream part. I think it was because it was sold to me as it's super confusing. You have to pay close attention. No, it's no, really not. It, yeah. But it's probably because I've seen a hundred Star Trek episodes like this. Yeah. No, well, you you and Dan Harmon can both hate it together. I, it, I don't hate it, is the thing. I think it was just like, if I went in knowing nothing, I would have enjoyed it more. But it, yeah. was, it was hyped so much as being this total mind fuck and I was right okay I'm ready I'm paying full at no distractions my tablet's off and I'm, I'm watching and I'm not gonna do anything else and like uh, I know exactly what's going on what yeah, is, no, what is everyone's like, problem yeah no, I, I mean if you've never seen any science fiction in your entire life I guess but yeah. like no I was prepared for just this come on blowing you know like thing and it was just sort of a straightforward like sci-fi premise my my favorite thing about that movie is that it just it like it introduces the the dream going into technology doesn't tell you where it came from it's just completely like yeah no this is part of this world that's the thing if if you just do that and get on with it i'm fine with it yeah like it's still pseudoscience but because star trek keeps finding different monster dreams and different uh ah. anyway um, they're, they're all having various nightmares and, and some of them are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like Tuvok coming to the bridge naked. I really enjoyed. I was reading on memory alpha too. And about how Tim Ross is like, well, Vulcans don't feel embarrassment. So like that doesn't work for me in the same way 
It yeah, would for like a normal person. That's another great example of him really like being into his character. I like that. <laughs> but then he ra- and all, like and also you know he probably wouldn't give a shit about being naked. Yeah. But he rationalizes it as well. I'm on the bridge and I'm out of uniform and I know how much nudity embarrasses the humans I work with. Right. Which is actually pretty like that's pretty cool. Good good, good work, Tim Russ. I we've said this many times and I'm sure we'll say it more, but like. He'll look at stuff that doesn't drive with all the other Vulcan stuff, and it's like that—that's not quite right. Can we fix this? Mm-hmm. And it's not like a prima donna thing. It's just a look. The fans care about this stuff. We need to get it right. Yeah, and I—I I really admire that about him because he doesn't seem like a dick about it. He just seems like he wants to make well, it better. I love that you know there's someone on the show that's got that kind of like that that interest in it. You know, in Star Trek. I know that's nice. Yeah. Whereas the rest of them are like, yeah, I grew up watching, you know, Shatner, whatever. Yeah. But no, it was it, like, I, I do enjoy that. And yeah, it is enough that he's not embarrassed, but he is, you know, <laughs> embarrassed on their behalf or, yeah. or whatever, which is cool. But one of them, and we both had the same note. I think uh, in your case, uh, Mal said it. But Oh, yeah. All, <laughs> was uh, Harry like getting intimate with Seven? And I was like, oh, this, this, is, uh, this is Seven's nightmare then, huh? Yeah. <laughs> No, everyone else is having a horrible night. Janeway's is a great, uh, like, weird anxiety dream about not getting the crew back. Oh, she's got a great, there's a, another not bad visual moment where there's a bunch of, like, rotting zombies. Yeah, just gathered around the, uh... You've, you failed to get us home and now we're all dead. Yep, we're all old and dead. And it's it's so clear it's a dream because it's it just, like, the reality of it doesn't work, but it's still creepy. Mm-hmm. I like it. But, uh, meanwhile, Harry's just having sex with Seven. Yeah. I mean, for come on. 17 hours. Uh, it's probably Garrett Wong said, like, either that or I walk. Mm-hmm. You can't get rid of me. I'm People Magazine's 17th cutest boy. You know, as Tom Paris gets more and more likable. I, they had to siphon it off from somewhere. It's like all of his grease is dripping into Harry. <laughs> so now you get Harry grease. Ah, it's yeah. literally getting worse before our eyes. Yeah, well. It's, it's like you only have so much, like likableness to go around, I guess. Yeah, I, apparently. So you had to take a few points away from, from Harry and give them to Tom. Yeah. Uh, that's too bad. Uh, what was your good thing? Oh, yeah. No, I the episode's dumb, but I'm really enjoying spending time with these characters. You know, like, they've really sort of built up, um, there's like a real sense of, like, friendship on these mm-hmm. with all, all of these guys. You know, I remember in TNG, um, Gene was always going on about how all these characters are friends and there's no conflict or anything. And I never really felt that, like, certain characters on that show were friends with each other. Um, Data and Jordy, for example, are, like, the, the two very best friends that you yeah, ever all, did see. All that stuff, all those, be- all the best examples of those relationships happened well after Gene was out of the picture, though. Yeah. Like, the the best Jordy Data stuff happened in, like, season five, six, seven, like, and, and the best, like, Riker Troy stuff, same thing. Like, yeah. But there, well there, after he was gone. There's a couple. Uh, the one I really like is um, we we get the we basically get like the staff getting up in the morning after they've all had their weird dreams and they're just sort of hanging out. Mm-hmm. It's like that sort of okay. It's like nine. It's like nine oh six on a work day and you're just like everyone's coming in and just sort of talking and stuff. I really like that. Yeah. No, we had that on DS Nine as well. Like you had yeah. some scenes in Ops where everyone's just like getting to work and just like chatting idly. Yeah. Uh-huh. There. 
it was a good way back then for them to like humanize Kira because she came on a bit strong and like, yeah. oh, if you, if you see her gossiping in the water cooler with uh, with Dax, that makes yeah. her seem a little less scary. Yeah, it happens again at the end of the episode too, where everyone sort of meets up, like no one can sleep, and everyone sort of meets up in sick bed or in uh, uh, the mess hall. Mm-hmm. And that scene has like four people I don't like in it, and it's it's still a scene that I enjoyed watching. No, and we're at this point supposed to buy that these guys really are coming together as a crew, as yeah. a family, like even more than as a crew, because there's no real shore leave. Like you can go maybe for a day, yeah, but you can't ever go back home. Like in out in the fleet, typically you, you're out there for a while and then you can go home for a week, yeah. Or if you're Wharf, you can go wherever you want, whenever you want. <laughs> but these guys, like, well, it's a Tuesday, time for my vacation. <laughs> these guys working home is the same place. Like that's it. Like yeah. Like Ben, if he wanted, could go down to Bajor for a while and just like you know, clear his head and just forget all this shit. Yeah. Like these guys got nowhere to go. No. So it's nice seeing them sort of is convalesce the right word. I don't. Know, I don't think so. Coming together. Yeah. Coalesce. I think. Coalesce. That's it. Convalesce is when you're uh, recovering from illness. Convalesce is when you're recovering from being attacked by Khan. No, that's convalesce. Ah, yes. That's different. Uh, my my good thing mm-hmm. is we had a, a bit where these aliens, these these Kruger aliens, as you call them, yes, take over Voyager. And there's been several examples in this series and in the other series where people, like aliens, swarm the ship and take it over. And like famously in Rascals, that's where it really bugged me, where those like four Ferengi took over the ship. Four Ferengi and their dog. Yes. Don't forget it, the it, dog. But they were in an old bird of prey from the movie era, like a hundred-year-old ship, the, yeah. the suckiest race, mm-hmm. and there's only a small handful of them in an old ship. Yep. And they take over the entire, like the flagship of the Federation. Really? Yep. And and in this show, like we had the Kazon take over Voyager. Really? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, I so often don't buy it, but these guys, like their plan, such as it was, actually made sense, and I bought them as a threat, and like they swarmed the ship, and they took all the decks, and they met, like... They didn't even spend a lot of time on it, but it was just like, hey, I, for once, someone stole the ship, and I believe it. Yeah. No, they actually do a really good job. They're it's like, a good plan, too. And they didn't waste a bunch of money, either, because they just said, yeah, we got guys on all the decks. We yep. don't need to see that. That's fine. I believe that. Well, I after you see that cave, it's like, oh, so you just took over the ship with the entire population of your planet. Yeah, because all those sleeping people can project, you know, dream images onto the ship. So. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I can see we might be a little bit outnumbered. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're a, we're a ship that started of about 200 that's been dwindling as yeah. we make bad decisions. Six billion people versus our 140. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, 139. Uh, so we lost someone else in a, in a flower, flower picking accident. <laughs> Still not Neelix, unfortunately. Uh, alas. Yeah. Um, Why can't I be dead? Yeah. <laughs> When the title came up, I thought it said wanking moments. I was sure that's what the title was. Uh-huh. A little disappointed that it wasn't. Well, I mean, there's enough wheel spinning. It might as well have been. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Uh, what else? What else indeed? I, a lot of, lot of me yelling, like, like, yes, I know what's going on. Let's move on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Garrett Wang sucks. Oh, I like the the makeup on the alien guys. They're kind of yeah. yellow lizardy. They got a they got a real nasty looking chin tooth. Oh yeah, just so they did. sticking out of their chin, big old spike. No, the the cool thing was yeah, like uh, I had this theory in the back of my head that the good aliens only are around when you need one or two of them, and they mm. don't like they can't put in the effort to make 
like a large number of them, but there were actually quite a few, so that that doesn't really fly. My note here says, this is everything I hate about Voyager. Chuck suggesting that they go into their dreams. What if we go, what if we use the power of Hakuchi Moya to go into the oh, dream world? God, he actually says it. Uh-huh. So if you're playing the Hakuchi Moya drinking game, then uh, take a drink. <laughs> the magic aliens that find you in your dream. Yep. Um, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, I didn't. No, oh, all right. I'm just going over my notes like little uh, unrelated thoughts, really. I like, uh, there's a part where the doctor's like, I've been trying to wake up, I've been trying to wake up Harry all this time. I've tried everything from, uh, from, uh, uh, drugs to direct cortical stimulation, which I assume is him just slapping you in the fucking face. Wake up! Wake up! Mr. Kim, wake up, stupid! (laughs) Did you throw cold water on his face? Try that. There's um, also Harry doesn't show up and fucking mom goes right to uh, his room to wake him up. I We were both really bugged by that. Morning, sunshine. Like nobody, like anybody else is late for duty. You, you call them on the intercom or you just get on with it and then put them on report or whatever. But she goes to his room to wake him up. Sweetie, wake up. Uh, such a special boy. What'd you dream about, special boy? Terrible. Uh, I dreamt about sex with seven. That's gross. You're gross. Look, and you can't come to the bridge with that boner. You need to do something about that. Oh, man. Fucking. Yeah. After he's been asleep for 17 hours, fucking uh, uh, Harry's got the morning wood of uh, a thousand crewmen. Yeah, that uh, that aluminum foil blanket in, uh, in sick bay is a tent. <laughs> I do like Janeway had a, had a thing where she's like, yeah, we got to get out of here. And I, I, it might have been Chuck said uh, don't we want to get to know these guys and she's eh, sometimes first contact is last contact yeah i think we're done here we don't really need to but i like i like that as a as a starship captain philosophy yeah we're here to meet new guys but sometimes you don't want to meet them something what if they end up being like the kazon sometimes it's better to just leave yeah we just got away from the kazon i don't really need more of that we just got the smell out of the basement <laughs> also I do like, um, like, I didn't like that it was Chuck. I didn't like that, that, as you said, our pacifist beams down on his, uh, his solution is to kill everyone. Kill everybody on the planet. But it, it like, in the abstract, uh, just as an idea, it was cool mm-hmm. that the doctor was up there and he was just going to, like, drop some photons on him or whatever. Yeah. Like, no, the, con- the concept's yeah. cool. I just don't want to see it from Chuck, who's supposed to be the pacifist guy, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. Get your shit together. They just—they have no idea what to do with that fucking character. No, and all the rest of them, they've more or less figured out. Even, like, we don't like Neelix, but Neelix is a consistent guy. Oh, yeah, no, look, I hate that character, but I know exactly, like, what to expect from him. Like, he's there to be the, like that. We don't like it, but that's what he is. Right? Yeah. His truck from week to week, who knows what he's going to do. I uh, Maybe he'll run away and join the army again. Yeah, maybe he'll... Who? Want to kill? Maybe he'll want to not kill. Maybe he'll want to settle down on a planet. Uh, he does love to settle down on planet. I hate Chuck so much. Yeah, he's he's not my least favorite, but he's like after Neelix, he's my least favorite. Why don't you go live in a tree and don't bother nobody? <laughs> um, there was one point where so he's the only one who's kind of aware he's dreaming mm-hmm. or he's awake. I don't remember. Well, don't remember. whatever he is supposed, he is supposed to be. He is aware that he is not uh, right, but it's him and the doctor are the only ones who can help. Sure. And, and the doctor's like, you, you can't, you can't go down there. You'll fall asleep. 
and and Chuck's like, I don't care, I'll do it anyway. And like, I, first I don't buy that he's that noble. No. But there was a moment where Chuck pauses, not bad acting, pinches the bridge of his nose because he's super tired. Mm-hmm. And the doctor immediately says, uh, Commander, are you okay? Like, did, did you hear him pinching the bridge of his nose? Yes. That's some good doctoring there. That's some fucking could, great as the doctoring. That's a, that sounded like a nose being pinched. Only tired people do that. That's I mean, I can't hear you yawn, but you did a, a body language thing that implies being tired. So Also, um I love that the doctor's like, you can't go down there, you'll fall asleep. And then he's down there for five seconds and fucking falls asleep. Yep. It's that Simpsons episode. Yep, should have listened. Bye, Lisa. I hope you come back as someone who could stay awake for five minutes. <laughs> That's my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Uh, that's, that, that's a pretty good one. Nightmare on Evergreen Terrace. Yep. Okay, that's about enough for me. How about you? Yeah, let's fucking message got, in a bottle. You got a quote? I do got a quote. I'll okay. put it in later. Okay. What What is it? Um. Oh, God, what was it? Oh, this is just Tuvok on the bridge. Lieutenant Commander Tuvok, reporting for duty. <laughs> is something wrong? I think you forgot something, Tuba. <laughs> it appears that in my haste to report to the bridge, I neglected to put on my uniform. <laughs> Naked ass Tuvok. <laughs> Just one of those times that makes me wish we could do a visual quote. Yep. Well, we can put it, we can make it the, uh, the cover art. The cover art, yeah. I, or I might put in the guest star of the next episode. I'm not sure yet. Mm. Who, who ended up... Well, well, we'll get to that in a moment. Yep. But uh, that that explains this note I have here without any context that just says, Ladies? <laughs> that would be naked Tim Russ. <laughs> Behold Tuvok in all his glory. <laughs> He's more cut than I thought, but he is a security officer. So, yep. You know, makes sense. My God. That penis right. goes on forever. <laughs> Sorry, I had to sling it over my shoulder. <laughs> like a continental soldier. What? Like a continental soldier. Is that a thing? Yeah. Oh. And throw it over your shoulder like a continental soldier. What's that from? Uh, some fucking song. Well, all right. Let's move on. Speaking of songs, to uh, a title that shares a title with a... Oh, fucking... God damn... Fucking... <laughs> Sending out an SOS. You know, this might not be the context that most people are used to, but fuck the police. <laughs> <laughs> Matt does not like the police. No. This when it occurred to me that all of their songs are them repeating one sentence over and over and over again for eight hours. Yeah, pretty much. And that you work in retail environments that you are forced to listen to these songs and can't avoid them. Oh, yeah. It's not like, okay, you hate them, don't listen to them. No, it's it's on... Like, sending out an SOS, sending out an SOS. Yeah. That That's the episode we're doing now. Uh-huh. Message in a bottle. Here we go. So Seven pulls the old captain, there's something you should see trick, which really illustrates just how much more human she's becoming every day. In fairness, the something in question is actually a pretty big deal. A vast communications array with one tin can in the Delta Quadrant, about 200,000 light years of string, and another tin can in the Alpha Quadrant. Which, side trips to pick flowers and rescue law-breaking crew members notwithstanding, is where our guys are trying to go. Not only that, but there appears to be an actual Starfleet ship hanging out near the far end of the thing. Exciting! So Kate tests it out, but it just bounces her own voice back at her. My god, she says, do I really sound like that? (coughs) 
Then somebody hits on the idea that they could send a program through the thing instead of just audio, because I guess a lot of data will send where a little won't? I wasn't super clear on the why, but it doesn't matter because the end result is the doctor being shot down that vast length of string and popping up in the sickbay of a no-shit Federation vessel in the Alpha Quadrant. Like, in the current day, not like 25 years in the past or something. <laughs> Unfortunately, the ship, the experimental USS Prometheus, has been captured by the Romulans. Ugh, these guys again. Realizing the Starfleet crew is dead, he summons the only other person who might be able to assist, the emergency medical hologram. Only instead of his own handsome face staring back at him, this EMH is Andy Dick. Yes, that Andy Dick. But defying all expectations, he's actually not terrible in this, uh, and the two holodoctors team up and recapture the Prometheus. Then the Doctor actually fulfills his mission, telling Starfleet that Voyager's intact and its crew is alive and well, and returns home. As he settles back into Voyager, he goes over the day in his mind. Went on away mission that only I could go on. Met would-be replacement and proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm superior to him in every way. Saved a valuable prototype Starfleet vessel from falling into enemy hands. Performed possibly the most significant act toward the goal of getting this crew home that anyone has done in the past four years. Returned home safely and instilled the crew, especially the captain, with a renewed sense of hope and optimism. I honestly have very little idea of what lies ahead for this crew, but I can tell you this much. Whatever they use to calculate smugness levels, they're going to need a bigger one of those after this. <laughs> that guy had his best day ever. I'm definitely the best guy on this crew. Everybody Has knows any, it. Have any of you done any of the stuff I just said? No, no, I didn't think so. You tried your you tried your your darndest, but goddammit, I did the best one. The I'm the doctor. It it all made sense. Like it all yep. fit why he had to be the guy. Yeah. No, it's and, you know, it was good. Yeah. This episode's great. It is. Like it's got everything I want from this show. Like fucking I'm I was watching this uh the other night, uh and Mal's in the kitchen doing uh, you know, whatever. And just Andy Dick's name pops up, and I'm like, ah, oh, Andy Dick, come uh, on. I, we knew it was coming. We both knew at some point he's going to show up. Yeah, I figured it was later in the series, though. Yeah. Like, didn't you think this is the one with uh, Troy and uh, Barkley? Yeah, actually, last week, that's what I, I uh, closed the show with, is next week, the return of some next-gen guys. Because nope. at some point, we do we do see them. But, yeah. Uh, not yet. Nope, this is... I was wrong about that. This is fucking Andy Dick. And we were both. We both had the same, like, oh, God. But he is really good in this episode. This like, is actually your good thing, right? This is my good thing. His chemistry with the Doctor's fantastic. Yeah. Like, this episode's basically, a t like, we get some Romulans and stuff, but the episode's basically a two-person show, and they do a fantastic friggin' job at it. Yeah. No, it was, it, it's, it's a comedy episode, which I'm okay with. Like, I do like comedy episodes, but mm. I like... Uh, what I like is a comedy episode with a, with some stakes in it, like uh, just a little bit. You don't have to take away from the comedy, but if it also serves, you know, the overall Star Trekness of it, that's yeah. good. Instead of just a wacky side trip that doesn't matter, this this had some stakes, but it was also just a fun character piece. Well, yeah, it's. I mean, that's the thing. You have the Doctor and this new medical hologram who is insufferable, um, just running around trying to stop these Romulans, and like. It's really good and it's legitimately funny without ever being like stupid or having dumb people fall off of things. Yeah. No, it's everything the Ferengi episodes on DS9 are not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is nice. And, and and the thing about Andy Dick is like he's supposed to be a little insufferable and he doesn't overplay it. He's just insufferable enough and makes the doctor realize, wait, I'm I'm better than this guy. Oh, I'm much better than this guy. I've been turned on for four years. 
Yeah, and uh, that initially that was like a drawback. Like you weren't designed to do this, but now it's like because of the whole he's becoming more human thing. Like he's got an advantage. I, I'm literally becoming more human every day. I, Andy Dick doesn't know. Like he's never done anything. He doesn't mm-hmm. know what to do. So he might be like version 2.0 he might be better software but he doesn't have any experience yeah so it's, it's, it's I mean, a very classic storytelling of like you know youth versus experience or uh yeah but but i really i don't know they made it work yeah no it's great it's a great this might be one of the best episodes yeah i mean it is one of the best episodes it might be like in my top like three yeah me too and the thing is like you have like it's just funny on its own but then you have the extra thing of like a, a milestone happened like mm-hmm. now the Federation, like they're they're still really far from home, and but now their loved ones know they're not dead. They know the ship is still out there, yeah. and they even say they're now going to try to work on trying to contact them again and trying to get them home. Yeah, and no. so now it's no longer a group of 140 people, half of whom were just recently drafted into Starfleet. Now it's Starfleet's best and brightest working on the problem, mm-hmm. which is cool. No, it's it's fantastic, and that ending, which I think is your good thing, it is is fantastic. Yeah. Now, my my broader, in, in a broader sense, my good thing is back in season one when Voyager almost contacted home like every week, like we had three episodes in like six weeks mm-hmm. where we talked about it not being earned. Like there's too soon. We need to wait. Like they should be stranded and feel hopeless for a while before they finally get a glimmer of hope. Like that's what we said. This is what we meant by that. This felt earned. We're right directly in the middle. Like we're exactly in the center of the series right now. Yeah. There's three and a half seasons behind us, three and a half seasons ahead. This is the perfect time to introduce the first step of like, oh, maybe it's not so hopeless now. They know we're out here. They're going to help. We're, we're we're not all just like, ugh. And then we're going to get back and everyone's going to have remarried or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, no, I, th- it's a good time. Like, and the reason they can't call home again was nicely integrated into the story because it's also like, okay, well, you did it once. Why can't you do it again? Well, it's because this array belonged to an alien race that they thought had abandoned it. And then they showed up and like, hey, stop using our phone. Get out of here. <laughs> which I liked. And then Seven electrocutes them, which I liked. <laughs> that, that was fantastic, too. It was it was a good like, but it was a good way to like, I don't like when there's they, they tack on. Oh, and here's why it couldn't happen again. Like, it was part of the story. The, the stuff the Voyager guys were going through was, uh, we need to leave the line open as long as we can. Well, hey, get off our phone. Get out of here. Hey, we're trying to use the internet. Come on. That's our internet. We pay for that. You can't <laughs> just come in and use it. Oh. Well, your Wi-Fi password shouldn't have been so easy to guess. Really? <laughs> One, two, three, four, five? <laughs> I like these guys, and apparently they'll they'll turn up again. The Hyrogen. Oh, called. yeah. They got a really cool look to them. It's like a, it's, it's like like, a He-Man villain. I, I was thinking an old school Doctor Who, like in, in the way that those uh, the robots uh, like in season two were. But mm-hmm. also, also He-Man. I could see that. Yeah. Like, cheesy, but good cheesy. Yeah, like very action figure Yeah. No, I, I like to look at them. Apparently, they'll come back in what in what capacity, I don't know. Hey, those are those guys that used our phone. Get them. <laughs> well. Have you seen this? Have you seen this, Bill? You called the Alpha Quadrant? <laughs> Do you know how far away? Oh. Yeah. No, it's great because like, and, and the subplot, like the B plot is, first of all, everyone on Voyager waiting like, oh my God, we might finally, like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then these guys cutting them off like, oh, come on. We were so close. Don't, you're going to strand the doctor and we're still stuck. And, but then the other thing is like, at first it felt a little like, uh, here's uh, Balana being a bitch to seven again. Uh-huh. Like, we're going to do this again. But they turned it on its ear where it like, 
Bellana's like, you need to be nice to people. And Seven's like, or oh, what if I'm a dick? And yeah. Bellana's like, oh, yeah, that works too. Yeah, good work. <laughs> actually, do that talking, more often. They're talking to them over the, the comm, and suddenly the guy just falls down on the screen. And she's like, what happened? Oh, well, I shocked him. <laughs> Why? Well, he wasn't going to say yes. So, yeah. And fucking Kate gives just like the best look, just like, okay, just keep it. Make sure he doesn't wake up and let's get this over with. He's, you can see the wheels turning. Well, <sighs> I guess I should court Marshall. Wait, you're not in Starfleet. Okay, well, this actually worked, but you probably shouldn't do that. But it did work. Uh, okay, whatever. You know what? We're just going to call this one a mulligan. I'll see you guys later. Yeah. I, I liked th- those were good moments and it would have been really easy to either completely forget about the Voyager crew or to make the B plot kind of unrelated or stupid. Mm. That stuff was good too. Like the two doctor stuff was great. Yeah. But when we cut back to Voyager, it was pretty tense and also like interesting and like it was good. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Good episode. Would watch again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, My bad thing. I, I actually yes. struggled with this. Yeah, I don't blame you. I was going to, like, I just, I immediately typed in Andy Dick at the start of the episode and I had to take it out because, yeah. no, I liked him. Um, I had a really hard time. This is one of the best episodes so far. Uh, the Prometheus, the ship that they're on, I, the design of it, like, it does a cool thing, which we'll talk about in a sec. Yeah. But the actual design of it looked like they took Voyager and made all the round parts pointy and then stretched it. And I just, I don't like pointy. Like, to me, a Federation design is is curvy. Mm. Like, it's not, it's not pointy. Pointy well, s- seems more aggressive. It's a, it's a it's an experimental ship. They had to pointy it up so it could go faster. Yes, for cuts aerodynamics. Down, yeah, it cuts down on space wind resistance. <laughs> that must be it. To ride the cosmic winds. I just like every even the Defiant, which was a warship, was still you know rounded. Mm-hmm. It just it was it was too pointy. But this you it does shoot do your eye out with it. <laughs> It does do a really cool thing. It splits into like three ships, basically. It's I, like, I think it was five, but I could be wrong. Might just be so, uh, so each of them can shoot lasers at like at different uh, guys. It's really cool. Like it's, it's a great take on just the Enterprise splitting into two pieces. Yeah, so it's the saucer separation, only better thought out and more practical. Yeah, I just I love the design, like the the thinking mind, the design where the guy's like, okay, we got the galaxy class to split into two pieces. That's pretty good. What if we split into like eight pieces? But the the idea, as I recall, with the galaxy class was um, we got civilians out here, and sometimes we get in dangerous situations. So mm-hmm. s- separation is just to send the civilians off to safety. Like that's all it was for. Yeah, this is way more dynamic. It can do more stuff. It's more flexible. Mm-hmm. It's not just so you can run away. It, well, it, it, if anything, it's so you can fight better. Yeah. Well, Prometheus is supposed to. Is it like? Is it? A, was it a new warship or like? No, did they a, say it was a deep space exploration okay. ship. Like, right. It was. That's why it was way out there near Romulan space because like it was supposed to go you know deep exploration. I guys, I look. We're in the middle of the war. Um, it might not be the best time to go poking Romulan space with the with a new spaceship. Oh, they weren't in Romulan space. They were they were near it, and the Romulans stole it. Yeah, because Romulans never come out of that. Like it, Romulans have never come out of their own space to poke around. That never happens. Well, I mean, come on. You can't say we're not going to go near the border. We have a neutral zone. That's the point of it. Mm. If you stay well on the side of the neutral zone, you should be fine. Yeah, I. The Romulans is... are still going to be dicks, but you can't. What you can't do is say we're not going to explore because those guys are scary. That's I, not. That's not how you 
I just, all I can think of is every time it's like, hey, we're getting close to the neutral zone, fucking two, two Romulan warbirds show up. Why are you near their neutral zone? What are you doing? Yep. This is our neutral zone. No, it's a neutral zone, man. We can both use it. No, it's yep. ours. First of all, none of us are allowed in the neutral zone. Secondly, you're outside the neutral zone on our side, so you're the one in violation, not us. They do that all the time, though. Yeah. You guys put up a fucking barbecue over there. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. This is our neutral zone. No, it's... You're... This is the line. What part of neutral don't you understand? All of it. We we drew a line in 3D space somehow. Yep. It's a big old line. Uh, A a two-dimensional line. Or one-dimensional... I don't know. Two-dimensional. Two, two. But yeah. It, uh, anyway, that's that's standard for the Romulans, though. Yeah. They did that to the Enterprise all the time. Yeah. What you doing? But on the other hand, this is an example of the Romulans actually being pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, so many times we've said this is a wasted opportunity. They're just not. They're not a guys threat. Wish th- yeah. And they're actually pretty good at this. They're- Although I got to say, the guy who played their captain... Really felt like a second in command kind of guy to me. Yeah, it wasn't the, the best. He looked like the like um like the guy who uh like Riker would befriend or like. Oh no, I thought he looked like the guy who betrays the commander near the end. Oh or, okay, you know what? But like he didn't like. Usually they'll cast a guy with like real presence, real gravitas in the in the lead Romulan role, and then sure. you'll have the the backstabby guy. Like, in, in Transformers terms, you'll have your Megatron and your Starscream. Right. You'll have your, your backstabbing guy and your big powerful guy. And, like, he, he didn't feel like the guy in command. Like, maybe the captain had died and they didn't say that, or sub-commander, or whatever. Yeah. But it just didn't, uh, he didn't really work for me. So I guess that's a bad thing. I, I, yeah, I, I suppose. That's such you, a minor thing. Do you want to put that in instead? It's better than the ship was too pointy. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I said a couple of things, critical things. That's the point of the bad thing. All right. So uh, what do you got for a bad thing? Um. Yeah, so uh, it's becoming more and more obvious that uh, Roxanne Higgs Boson is uh, very pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not hiding that. Well, no, they gave her a they gave her like a Starfleet like overcoat with it's it's I like the I like the coat actually. Oh yeah. It, it goes with the uniform and it's got pockets for her like little engineering tools. Yeah. And that looks cool. It's to, well, I mean yeah. that's fine. Like they did the same thing when Bever was uh pregnant. Um, yeah, that's where her her coat came from. Yeah, and also Scully, they put her in a lot of lab coats. Mm. But um they put her in this big ass coat, but they keep shooting her from like far away. It's just like there's a lot more Roxanne Higgs boson there than there normally is, and you guys are not hiding that well. I know you know how to do this. I honestly didn't notice, but often when I'm taking notes, I'm like looking down and yeah. looking back up, and maybe I just missed that. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, huh. n- like, if you're look, if you're gonna hide it, you know, do a better job. Otherwise, just like I don't know. Well, I mean, we we really didn't like the. Keiko's baby beamed into Kira contrivance, but it yeah. did like once you got past that, at least okay. Now Kira's pregnant. Yeah. Now we can just say Nana Visitor is getting visibly pregnant because yeah. her character is pregnant. Yeah. I don't know. The, the the thing is, it's a hard thing to fix. Like it's what, either that yeah. or they do the Fraser thing and and put her in a fat suit. Or you say like uh, she uh, she got knocked up by Tom. Well, mm-hmm. they just started dating. That's yeah, that's little, not the time for soon. that. Yeah. And, I mean, you can't just get rid of her for, like... No, you don't write her out of the show for nine months. Yeah. It's terrible. I mean, yeah. I guess you're only showing for, like, I don't know, five or six months, but still. I'm going on a trip. I'll be back. I, they did that back in the day. Oh, yeah. 
like in old sitcoms and stuff, like female leads would disappear for half a season. What happened? Well, she got pregnant, but we can't say that word because it's the 50s. So I I love Lucy, I think, got to do that. I love Lucy was the first show to do it where they actually said the word pregnant. And they slept in separate beds. Yes. Uh, That makes sense. Also, they befriended the corpses downstairs, but that show has problems. So yeah, yeah there's not a. I love Lucy. Your best friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's not a good show. No. Um, Sorry, Lucy fans in the audience. Oh, there, there are many. I know. I just, I just don't, uh, don't. I don't get it. <laughs> no. And I like old comedy. Like I like. Yeah. I like the Marx Brothers and uh, some other stuff from back then. But it just, uh, I love Lucy didn't do it for me. Anyway. Um, you had another bad thing, which we uh, realized is not actually. Oh, funny. yeah. This wasn't so much a bad thing. It was just something I noticed. <laughs> Shouldn't the Mark II hologram be Bashir? They did a whole episode about that. Yeah, but the whole episode is where his uh, uh, genetic engineering thing came out. Yeah. Which disqualified him. Like, I guess that's point. true. Yeah. That I, I feel like in that episode, like, um, like that stopped me. Like, I don't think they talked about it after that. Like, I don't think they ever specifically said it disqualified him. I just think, like, no, more they did. Impo- did they really? Okay. Yeah, they definitely did. Cause, like, it, like, uh, uh, Zimmerman did a whole background check. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where that came up. And then, like, the, the, the focus of the episode shifted to be about that. Yeah. But when Zimmerman left, he's like, yeah, well, obviously you're not going to be the hologram now. <laughs> it just, because it became so much more about, like, Bashir and his yeah. secret and all that stuff. Like, the focus kind of pulled away. It was kind of a fake-out thing. Yeah. So. I don't know. The, the, I would not have had a problem with this episode being about the Doctor and Bashir, basically. I, a, I, a Bashir hologram. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I don't know that uh, that Alexander Siddig would have been as good as Andy Dick. And how? what is even coming out of my mouth right how now? How dare you? This is ridiculous. I, for comedy, though? Yeah, no. He had a very specific chemistry with Cole Meany, but that mm-hmm. was about it. Like, he was, I think, the weakest acting link on that show. We said that a few no, times. No, we said that a few times, yeah. Whereas Andy Dick, like, whatever you want to say about him, and we've said things before and may again, but, like, he does have a background in comedy. That is true. You drop him in a comedy episode, if he's got good chemistry with the other guy, then it'll, it might be good, and it mm. was, so. And he was actively doing news radio at this point, so he was surrounded by good comedians. Yes. Maybe that rubbed off on him. I, I mean, it must have. Like, because he's really good on this episode. Yeah. How, how dare you? Well, how dare you, Andy Dick? I, I feel like the casting guys were thinking, okay, this is what Robert Picardo brings to this character. What is a good counterpoint to that? Yeah. What's like a young, more smug, more obnoxious version of this character? Right. Got it. That guy. That, oh, this. Right. And really, what's more annoying comedically than a younger version of yourself who's more like you than you are? <laughs> like Honestly, like that, that yep. works, I think. Oh, yeah. Um. Oh, we had a nice bit back to the Voyager guys. We had a nice bit of uh, Kate and Bellana, like getting all excited about science again. Yeah, always. Like, that's always great. We used to love that back in the day, and then it kind of stopped for a while. And also, Seven's kind of stepped in as the third science bro. Mm-hmm. But it's nice, like, yeah. What if we try this? Ooh, we could boost the signal with this, and then maybe we could. Yeah, that's a great idea. Do it. <laughs> I, I love that. I just nice little like they're both they both really sell it, and it's it's nice. Um. What else? else? Um, we got uh, uh, the do- or, uh, Tom taking over for the doctor as the new doctor. Oh, yeah. That was a cute subplot, too, actually. Yeah. Although, we have people coming in like, uh, what's wrong with you? Oh, Neelix made chili, and I have a heartburn. 
That's basically the only thing he treated was people suffering from Neelix's bad food. That was a little, little goofy. Yeah. Like, but, how bad is your heartburn, man? Like, fucking Pepto-Bismol exists. I don't know. The thing is, they're, they're going to alien planets, and, like, Star Trek hardly ever deals with the idea that an alien, like, you know, uh, like, biosphere would have a whole different, you know what I mean? Like, like a hot pepper from another planet might kill you. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that would be fine if Neelix hadn't specifically said he was using jalapenos. Did he? I thought. Yeah, he pronounces like... them jalapenos. Oh, that's why. Because he's I didn't a catch f- that. fucking asshole. Ah, okay then. Maybe uh, I, I use too many jalapenos, and the the Tom looks at him like Neelix. Ah, I missed that. Yeah. Um, but there's actually, and I'll, I'll give credit to, not so much to Garrett Wong, but to them using Harry in a not bad way. Mm. He, he wants to help out his friend Tom, and that's been established. Like, how they became friends is still problematic, but they're friends now. It's fine. Yeah, we are friends now. It's been three and a half years. It's fine. I'm not going to keep harping on that. But he, he needs some help, because, like, he's the only one who can man sickbay while the doctor's away, which makes sense. Yeah. And Harry's his friend and wants to help him, and he's like, okay, well, I have this engineering background. I know holograms. I guess I could try to help you build a new doctor. Well, like to, cause otherwise you're just here and you'll never sleep. Yeah. So, okay, let's take what we know about the doctor and try to build a, you know, and that could have been stupid, but it was actually kind of cute. Yep. And just the nice, like, how do we deal with what's going on right now thing? Although I noticed your notes and I had the same reaction. It's like, this is how weird science started, right? Yeah. I thought it was going to be like a hot chick, like, you know, who would teach them about putting bras on their heads or something. Yep. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for Paris uh, to just be like, eh, "Why don't we make the doctor a sexy broad with big cans?" Well, no, because his girlfriend is like probably wouldn't like that. So well, I won't there, tell her. There was a there was great. Um, I was reading on Memory Alpha that uh, Picardo actually came up with a bunch of the jokes. In yes, this. he did. Um, and apparently he's always like trying to pitch jokes to the writers. I guess to Braga. I guess Braga is like his his closest friend on the writing staff. Yeah. And he's like, hey, Brandon, how about this? How about this? And uh, I guess they just took a bunch of his suggestions and put them all in this. Nice. Yeah. Um, additionally, my quote, actually, is uh, the doctor talking about how he uh, made himself more anatomically correct. Mm-hmm. As a matter of record, I have free reign on Voyager. And I can even leave the ship as well. Leave your ship how? My mobile emitter? A little piece of 29th century technology we obtained? Really? I'm as close to a sentient life form as any hologram could hope to be. I socialize with the crew, fraternize with aliens. I've even had sexual relations. Sex? How's that possible? We're not equipped Let's just say I made an addition to my program. Which apparently uh, Picardo had a prepared, like, I don't know, five or ten minute shtick when he did cons about the doctor being uh, (laughs) um, anatomically correct. Oh, God. And so they drew from, I don't know, they just took it word for word. They probably didn't. They probably just used bits of it. But I just, I like that he came up with the idea and they worked it into a script. Yeah. But there's a bit where um, they're on the bridge near the end, like near the big climactic fight with the Romulans. And, um,. Uh, Andy Dick's like leaning over and he's like, stop breathing down my neck. And Picardo's like, but I don't have a neck and we don't breathe. Like, isn't that weird? <laughs> and they're like, no, shut up. It's an expression. It's fine. He's like, no, I think I could do better. So he, he improv the line or added the line to the script or whatever. Um, I don't, uh, my breathing is a simulation. And he says, so is my neck. Stop doing it anyway. Yeah. No, but it makes sense. Cause yeah. I, I do have a simulated breathing and I have a simulated neck. So we are, you are simulated being irritating to me. 
I just I like that. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. We talked about his dick. Um, mm-hmm. We talked about Andy Dick. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, dick talk. <laughs> Need more dicks for the dick ship. <laughs> yes, you mentioned that, sir. Which can separate into several dick ships. Yes. Um, oh, I got it. I once again uh, major props to uh, Mulgrew. Yep. At the end, her her reaction to oh, she's so good. There's a glimmer of hope. Is just like she looks like she's gonna cry. Yeah, like in a good way, like just tears of joy. Just like oh my god, I've We're been persevering. Fucking... I just didn't know that it was worth it, and now finally something happened. And, yeah. Oh, it's so great. If they know we're out here. Oh, thank fucking Christ. These people are not now going to be completely miserable. Like now, all this hope I've been promising them finally delivered. Yeah. Which it was. It was a really good moment, and she sold it mostly in her face. Oh yeah, no, she nails it. Just like. Yeah. Just that, like, that waiting, you know? And, like, all the time. Like it wasn't a, one of those obvious speeches that just tells you everything. Like, she she showed it. Yeah. yeah. You can, like, you can see, like, a weight getting lifted off of her, you yeah. know? Yeah. Really good. I like that. Kate Mulgrew's a fuck of a good actor. She is. I, I, I'm happy to be wrong about this. Yeah. Like, I really did not think that before, but I, I was very wrong. No. Um... Anything else? That's about all I got. I don't think so. That's all. That's sort of everything I wanted to hit on. Very well. We talked about the dicks, right? <laughs> I think we mentioned that. Story. Oh, I got one more dick story. Of course. This is for the other episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so the scene where uh, where Tuvok shows up naked on the bridge. I read on Memory Alpha. Um, he had to make up people build <laughs> yeah, right. build him a giant fake penis. Yep. So that the act- the uh, surprised reaction when he steps out is real. Yep. Everyone's like, oh, oh. <laughs> like, I, I assume they're just expecting to see Tim Russ in boxers or whatever. Like, Where uh, they, they give him a cock sock or whatever the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> He's just got this big, like, prosthetic penis. Yeah. Hi, guys. Time to do the scene. We're Hi, rolling. guys. I'm Tim Russ. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tim Russ. <laughs> in the Buick with Daddy? And this is, and this is my Andy Dick. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Okay, so that's all for this time. Yep. Um, next week, our pal Tidro will be joining us. Hooray! So, looking forward to that. Yep. Um, we are at about the halfway point, which means it wouldn't be a bad time to start maybe writing in for our uh, our next supplemental episode, which will yep. be in a month or so, something yep. like that. Uh, postatomicor at Gmail. Uh, the website is uh, postatomicor.com. We have a Tumblr, postatomicor.tumblr.com. Real quick, I don't think I've ever actually plugged this on the show before, and I'm, I don't do this often. I just once wanted to mention, uh, I am currently, Matt, Matt's involved a bit, but I got a lot of different people collaborating on this. Uh, we have a, a running a comedy soap opera. It's mm. actually a full, like, like radio drama. It is a comedy, but it's, it's you know, like a, like a fully produced radio play kind of thing comes out every two weeks is called contentment corner yep and I'm, I'm really proud of the work we're doing i'm working with a lot of the uh, local uh comedy uh talent here in seattle also some of the voice actors we've been working with for a long time and uh, it's it's coming together really well we're really proud of what we're doing and uh you should check it out contentmentcorner.com yeah do it uh, and that's all for this time all right see you folks The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this.